0: i
1: special episode i am bj uh with me in the studio a host of 19 podcasts like myself the dustin roller yeah what's up man thanks for having me i'm glad to see we're gonna do a dual episode this will be released on his channel released on my channel um and like i said as uh, we did an episode about a month or so ago about um men's mental uh health uh people seem to really enjoy it so, brought him back. We got. We're gonna cover a couple things. One thing is uh, he is a principal, and we're gonna cover a new bill that's in Indiana um, that's trying to get passed by the Mister Jim Lucas. And we're also gonna, since we're covering now, we're also gonna talk about some masculinity. Yeah. Uh, so two things there. So, um, first, first questions first. Um, what is the bill he's trying to get passed? Okay, so he's pushed this the
0: last several years, um, and it has died. His, what he wants to see is a standardized training practice so that teachers are given the right um, to conceal carry inside the school. And it's a school-by-school decision on whether they do it or not. But the, the newest one that he has come up with has the standardized training format it's designed by the same people that train our police. The teachers and staff that volunteer for it will be paid for, the training will be paid for by the state. For the first year's salary of just one school resource officer, he claims approximately 50 school staff members could be trained. When all the policies and everything else fails and an active shooter is inside a school, as we've seen many times happen, these are Jim Lucas's words, this legislation makes it possible for school staff to be able to defend themselves in that split second before life and death.
1: Well, that's uh, that's good in theory. I see why we want to do it. We would because Jim believes in um, everybody should carry a gun. Um, it's almost like. Um, Having a uh, driver's license or be a U.S. citizen, they they think once you become a citizen, maybe a birth, you just start with a small gun, work your way up. Well, well, I I love when
0: I see these car dealerships like in the South, where if you open a bank account or you buy a new car, you end up with a shotgun or an AR in the car, and you know you get you get the whole whole nine yards.
1: That's right, and I am pro guns. I have always absolutely. been absolutely. I, I I always always have been. Um, and like I said, as my best friend and your good friend AP, every time I'm with him, he has his gun, and he takes it in my car. I'm in his car. I'm in his house. So I'm pro gun. But I don't think arming teachers is. I mean, I I don't know. all te- all right. So when you became a teacher, did you ever think that you would have to possibly have a shootout in your school?
0: No. No, I never I never thought that there would come a time that we were, you know, obviously I grew up in the time after Columbine happened and, um, and lockdown drills and all those kind of things, but I never thought we would hit a point that we were talking about should teachers be carrying guns into the school building. Um, you know, the biggest thing I think for me to kind of start off with it is this idea that what What is a teacher's role? And I understand what Jim is pushing that well, we're going to train them just like police officers. Teachers aren't police officers. That's not where their passion is. It's not where their drive is. And on the flip side of what Jim's argument is with how bad our public schools are, in his opinion, not mine, but in his opinion, do we really want our teachers spending a ton more time trying to be trained at the gun range than improving the education they're offering our kids. So that's first and foremost. I, I just don't see where
1: the time
0: to perfect what he's asking is there for teachers.
1: Yeah, and and, and, and you, with you being in education, but as we've seen throughout 2016, 17, 18, and 19, since I started podcasting, almost once a month there's been something with a teacher doing something with the student they're not supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. right? so teachers aren't perfect we know this no nobody is perfect right nobody is infallible i get that but another thing is so you're going to put a gun in someone's hand and be like like i wouldn't want to become a teacher like i'd be like no i don't wanna, i don't want to deal with this and then you know because it can happen any given time no matter what school it is everything like that so um are to the point now why can't we put more resource officers is that what they're called resource officers yep and there's, are they armed?
0: Yeah, I mean, we have a dedicated school resource. Actually, we have two in, in our school district. Um, one is stationed at the middle school, and then we have one that is uh, his office is in the high school. And, I mean, he wears this full-duty uniform at all times. So he has a full-duty belt on him at all times. And uh, and then he has a rifle in a um, gun safe in his office that is, that's locked and secured. Uh, but he's the only one that has a combination to it. So for the rest of us, we don't have access to those things. And and to be honest, that's the way I would want it to be. The other side that I don't think Jim considers, and it goes back to exactly what you just said, and it's really easy with a lot of things for us to sit here and be, you know, and later on we talk about um, masculinity, but to sit here and be that macho guy and say, oh, I'd absolutely be able to take somebody out. I'd absolutely be able to shoot somebody the problem I have, and I'm a, I'm pro gun guy. I I had my uh, pistol in the truck when I drove up here today, and do most of the time. But the difference is, if it's a student that I have worked with at that high school, I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I can pull the trigger in, and end that life. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I think anybody that just is easy enough to say oh I could. I, I think I think that's really short-sighted. and I'm not saying I get the argument back that you mean if there's a hundred kids that you can save, you wouldn't kill one. I don't know, and I, I can't. I'm not going to sit here and say that
1: I have that answer because you're not trained to be a killer.
0: Absolutely not.
1: Like our like, and I'm not saying cops are killers and military, but they are trained to kill. Like they, and so if you take someone who's supposed to be an, a caring, compassionate person. And teach kids, and all of a sudden you're teaching them this other side. Like, hey, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to have this. Like, you're gonna have to be maybe make that decision to end the life. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I like, whatever happened to just getting an apple and we move forward? <laughs> now I have to have a Glock.
0: And, and exactly what you just said, my whole job is, and my belief system as an educator is I'm never giving up on that kid. Yep. So I, I always think that if I can get that breakthrough, I can fix them. Now, you're telling me I'm the one that's going to make the decision of when it ends for that kid. And I, I don't know that I, – I, I'm not wired that way. And I don't want to be wired that way because I don't think I would be a good educator if I was. But to also go back to what you just said there with, with police – and not to get into that whole debate or some of the things that have happened, but the split-second decisions you have to make. Um, I've been in the schools now for 11 years, and there's always things that happen that seem more serious than what they are during the time. You know, we've had lockdown drills where things were reported that, weren't even true you know i mean uh, several years ago we had an undercover i shouldn't say undercover but a detective from the sheriff's department um who was wearing street clothes but had his pistol on and a and he didn't check in he just came in to go talk to our school resource officer at that time and a student saw it and reported we locked the whole school down because all they had saw was a with it was a male with a gun on his hip well as soon as that's reported and we don't have a whole lot more information now you've got every teacher that is armed that maybe encounters a student or sees a student trying to make that decision in a split second, are they a threat? And like I said, how many police officers have made the terrible mistake of, and I'm not taking sides in any of that, of mistaking a cell phone for a gun or make mistaking something for a, for a weapon? Now we're going to ask teachers who are just training once a year to pass their certification, to make that decision in a split second of a chaotic situation in a school.
1: Yeah, and and I, and I think also, and here's the interesting fact about this, because when the math when the school shootings happen, and then we bring up gun control, right, and then then people will bring up, well, if you actually look at the average, you know, um, and then they start spinning what school shootings and mass shootings are, right. And then now we're going the opposite way saying, no, they really happen a lot. We need to make sure we're, 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 prepared for it. So, and, and like I said, I think I just, I just think that uh, cause teachers in Indiana let alone right now are going through another struggle with pay, mm-hmm. which Jim is anti-pay. A lot of people are anti-pay and a lot of pro hate teachers, honestly. Um, and then we're blessed in Southern Indiana. I think we're really blessed. My kids go to Greenwood further south. It's a little bit different than IPS schools, a little bit rougher. Absolutely. But here's the thing is back to what you said about that moment. I've been robbed five times um, by gun. One time by knife. I told him to leave, show me the respect and bring back a gun. And he did leave. He's like, all right. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I had a gun to my face. And then in that moment, I didn't think, man, I'm going to, no, I did whatever they wanted to do because you don't know what you're going to do. So all those people say, well, what this, why would done? like, really? So yeah, a loaded gun pointed at your head. No, no, I just did what he asked me to do. Moved on from there. Right. You don't know in that moment what's going to happen is I just want to survive the moment, but we're putting, I just think we're now We're trying to overcorrect a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean why not and i brought this up to Deadman, and i was like why don't we ever have if people are looking for we have resource officers we have plenty of vets that don't have jobs that are trained that could be around kids that could be a big help and he's like well you know they have a lot of is- issues and i was like well that's stereotypical they're, they're, not everybody has issues right and then it could be something where kids can spend a, i mean because you know we, we we say we have these holidays for veterans, but we really don't take great care of them.
0: No, no, we just we, we want to put on the show and, and move on. Better yeah, have a
1: parade, throw some candy, move on. Yep. but I mean I mean there could be a way we can work something out with that or do something or, or instead of, instead of putting it in teachers' hands because I'd rather have it in the hands of somebody who can control that situation.
0: And the other part that, that I always question is you know when I when I'm in a lockdown situation, And don't get me wrong. When I was in the classroom, and I still tell my teachers this today, we always found ways to, you know, I I don't want to say arm ourselves in that sense, but we weren't going to just huddle and and take it. We, in a real situation, we would have moved desks in front of the door. Um, We would have been armed with books. You know, and, and the research and studies show that anything coming towards a school shooter, Um, can distract them and they move on. And honestly, the number one deterrent to any school shooter is a locked door. As soon as they hit a locked door, because most of them, the whole goal is numbers. They want, you know, it's all about how many casualties can I get. So as soon as they come to a locked door, they typically continue to move down until they can find something that's Mm -hmm. unlocked. Well, if I'm that teacher and I know I'm armed and I've got a classroom of 25 kids, What decision do I make there? Do I open the door and walk out and put them in harm's way? Do I stay where I'm at? So I think there's just so many things that can come up. And I agree with you. I think there's other avenues where we could put money that can help our schools be safer instead of it being guns in the hands of teachers.
1: Well, and then I think the media is a lot of the blame for this, too. I know we're part of the media doing what we do, but... It's glorifying who did it, putting mm-hmm. their faces out there, reading the letters and everything that they do, um, and I think a lot of it is is they is the, the fame culture is so high, and that's why it, it, a lot of it has come up. And I mean, there was a, there was a shooting at a football game where a girl got hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, just for the simple reason is is, and I'm not saying we have to go to lockdown on everything, but. You walk into a football game, you walk into that, and I have two kids that are in high school, and I think about it all the time, and and I get it. So it's not like I'm like, you know, so I'm like, well, you don't care about your kids. If, if something happens, I'm like, well, that's different. But, like, we can't do an – we always do an overcorrection.
0: Right. And this is the thing that I think, and I agree with you too, because I'm not one that's going to sit here and say, well, that'll never happen to us, because it can happen anywhere. Um, but the thing I think – when you talk about an overcorrection you know when the last school shooting that happened our our governor came out and said we're going to send metal detectors to every school and i think our district got 12 metal detectors i can tell you right now that the only thing we've used those metal detectors for is to find vapes on kids when they hide them you know in their bras or in their underwear so that we know there's something metal there um, that's we've not used it for any type
1: of weaponry. I get the brawl one, but hiding the vape in your underwear then putting it in your mouth. Tell me about it. Agree one I mean, hundred. I'm a smoker, like, but I'm like,
0: <laughs> I agree one hundred percent. Oof. And so, then the, and then they oof. share them with each other, and, and so, uh, but it, we just put in a a really great camera system, and I think that's the one place where schools can do more. Um, and
1: pay someone literally. I don't know why I said literally but like have someone constantly watch it like a hawk nonstop or even two and and, and think about it is and, and it's right away and like almost the person like the watching the cameras to unlock the door to let someone in and I mean I have no problem with the school being locked no and and, and the technology that has come with the
0: cameras now is unbelievable we actually have um, when you pull on campus, we have a license plate reader that will read your license plate when you come on. We can program in any any former student that we've expelled, you know, someone who's been trespassed from our property, any concern, and it will automatically send me a text message alert and an alert on my radio letting me know that somebody's on campus that's not supposed to be. Once you enter our building, it automatically starts figuring telemetrics on you, and I can literally go back and search for burgundy hat like your phillies hat and it will pull up everybody that was wearing a burgundy hat and then i can follow you through our entire building so in what used to take us hours upon hours looking at film by hand now we can do in a matter of seconds
1: and jennings county is not a caramel no and 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 that's that's what you guys have made great strides in a um, I don't know the economics here, but it's not in a high poverty high poverty. rural community yeah Absolutely. rural community, and you guys have but you guys invested in invested in the right way, and that goes to the leadership and everything like that so but I think we should try any alternative before i mean think about what if it comes down to the let's say this bill gets passed mm-hmm. and then they amend the bill to say it's mandatory. I can tell you right now, my own wife is a teacher, my wife would not feel comfortable at all why do we have why do we have someone who's not has no teaching background and i know he's he's a politician and and i get it and um i think sometimes we're having politicians like the teachers go to him i don't know if you know i don't need does someone go to him and and say hey this is what we want to do no these are all most of his bills are created out of his
0: own um, thought process and I can say right now and, and Jim I hope you listen to this because you know this is true I've met with Jim several different times um, Jim's been on my shows but I challenged Jim last probably August when I met with him um, him and I had dinner together at Bubba's and and Seymour and I challenged him to come and, and shadow me for a day And I said, and and he, his immediate response to me was, well, I've done that before and it's always a dog and pony show. And I said, Jim, here's the deal. You call me the, the morning of, you drive over and when you hit the parking lot, you text me or call me and say you're, you're there. There's no way I could put on a dog and pony show. I, I'm not trying to. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't do me any good to think we're this great. So I want you to come see the real problems that we deal with on a daily basis. Um, he has yet to do that. And that that offer is still out there. That offer is out there to any politician that wants to come see the life and the day of a, a principal. I can put you with one of our counselors, a teacher, and you can see the things we, we're dealing with. And, and, you know, and to kind of expound on that. You know, the mental health issue, I know you and I talked about ours. I I just added it up Friday before I left uh, school for the day. We have had 49 what we call (laughs) crisis reports so far this school year. So that means someone who is having suicidal suicidal ideation, um, has a plan to commit suicide, is self-harming. or has a homicidal ideation. So something that was so serious that we did evaluations on them. We you know, contacted the appropriate people, their parents. So 49 of those have already happened the first semester of the school year. On top of that, we've done 42 DCS calls. So 91, and there's only 90 days in the first semester, so every day, more than every day this year, we have done either a DCS report um, Or a crisis report. And that's some of the things I don't think Jim understands that's going on every day.
1: Well, and and I'll play devil's advocate from some of the the posts and things that I've saw. um, Who that have said is is you guys want more money. Mm -hmm. And that you guys are not as invested as you should be when it comes to wanting a raise. Because I've read some of the comments on... The post and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself and then but I don't think they know so I went to school in the 90s mm-hmm. graduating in 98 and I don't go to school every day like I don't know what what's new in school I know I go to my kids classes and I see you know like oh there's some books and computers like oh, it's all it's all the same but it's not the same and I think we have too many people <laughs> saying that you guys just want more money to have more money but I think that we know there's more Involved now in watching than ever before because of social media.
0: One hundred percent, and and to, to go back to one of the posts that I know Jim put out there, and and a lot of his his followers and people jump all over is the average teacher salary in Indiana is fifty four thousand dollars a year. So what he always talks about is the average that the state spends uh per per pupil it's about $6800 it kind of depends on the school district some a little more some a little less so if you take 6800 times 25 kids in class that's $170,000 a year so his point is well if i'm subtracting 54 where's the rest of that money go but first and foremost what he and i've called him out on this and and he always agrees with me when i bring it up but he never changes his You know how he how he presents the information because that's how we play the game nowadays. It's I don't have to be right; I just have to be louder than
1: you to to be right and get enough people to. Uh, and to get on your side,
0: and, and I know you've worked in management for a long time, so mm-hmm. you'll understand this fifty four thousand, yeah, that's the base salary. That's the take home. That's not the retirement that the district puts in. That's not their health and benefits. That's not there's a lot more to that package than just what you pay a person when you're in when you're in that business. So really, for a teacher that's around fifty four thousand, it's about a ninety thousand dollars total package. Okay, So then his argument is, even when him and I have had this talk, okay, you're at 90 where's the other 80 go? Well we still have to have counselors custodians we still have to have bus drivers we have to have buses we have to pay for the heat in the building build you know have the buildings once you start cutting all that in the, there is a problem
1: is it do, do schools have p and l's breakdowns like uh, like where, where I work at it'll say this is the total amount of money you have and it breaks down to each column where each where all the dollars go did since it's a Got, since it's a public school, is everything broke down and absolutely for? okay? Absolutely,
0: and and they've changed it a little bit. Used to we had um, just kind of an education fund, uh, general fund, I should say. Now it's an education fund and an operations fund. And I will agree with Jim on this. There are some there are some school districts where the administrative salaries are way out of whack, and I, I won't deny that whatsoever. Um, there's a small school district right around where I'm at. Uh, that only has 433 kids in the district, and their superintendent's making 140 thousand dollars a year. Well, that's crazy. I've got, and I'm not saying I don't get paid enough. I'm fine, but I got 1,200 people in my high school, and he's making 140 thousand for four 433. But those are individual deals, and it's not across the whole the whole state. The other problem with the the number that Jim throws out. Since I've been involved in about 11 years, and, and this is for everybody across the board, so it's, it's everybody's fighting these same fights. Our healthcare costs have gone up for what we pay in, and it's the same for anybody that's working. But so, even though the, the raises have trended lower, most years, even if we have gotten a raise in the sense of maybe we got two percent that same year our health insurance premiums have probably gone up nine to 11 percent
1: where does your health coverage um come from like is it because like obviously when i work for a corporation they're like hey we have blue cross blue shield here's your 12 options this is what you pay for a family is it kind of the same or is there is a different breakdown for schools
0: yeah it's similar um ours is a we actually are in a consortium of about 12 school districts which we were told that was going to make it a lot cheaper um and I'm not knocking them. I think it was a good move. I it just hasn't made it cheaper, and I don't really know the reasons why. Um, but then we've got I think we've got six total plans, and mo- actually I'm lying. We got four total plans now because they cut two out. Three of them are the high deductible. You know, health savings accounts. You got to have your health savings account, and and that's what I'm on. Um, and it and it's okay, but. You know, those days of where, if Jim wants to admit it, when Jim was younger, and I know Jim's a, you know, he's a, he's a business owner, so he's had to take care of his own health care, but th- those days of insurance being a given, uh, they're not here now anymore. And, and, you know, that idea of we're paying more in for less coverage and and still not seeing those raises. So that's one of the things the teachers are are fighting for, and the statistics are there. Um You know, whether you agree with what they're asking for or not, Indiana is dead last in the last uh, 19 years in raises for teachers. Um, It's the slowest growth of any state in the United States. And I can tell you this, teachers are, they're still working just as hard today as what they did 30, 40 years ago, even though people don't believe it the game has just changed so much. Standardized testing, you know, like we talked earlier, social emotional learning issues, mental health. There are so many more things that we're asked to take care of today that twenty years ago wasn't even a concern.
1: Yeah, I and I don't think we don't take it in consideration because kids are now are at times information is instantaneous. Um and and I, and I think over medicating of students has made it, made it difficult at times. And also the, um, accountability of students has changed a little bit. Um, it is because now everybody still believes that their son or daughter should be the honor roll student and, and now it's changed forever because when I went to school, I was like, yeah, that's the dumb kid. He knows he's the dumb kid and it's because he doesn't put in the effort it wasn't the teacher's fault and i and i still think now we blame teachers more than ever for every little thing that goes wrong because that's what we do hey you didn't hey uh, you didn't get promoted well it's because my job don't like me <laughs> well johnny didn't pass or make basketball in well, whatever but my point uh, i'm trying to make is though we have too many people do you think that let me ask Do you think the administrators are um, some of them are out of touch with what really goes on in some of these school districts? Because I, like I I remember the administrators and I was like, what do these guys do? Or because what does he or she do? And there were school boards and like, what's the difference between administrative and then the school board? Okay,
0: so like our administrative team, like in my school, for instance, we have uh, three assistant principals and myself, who is the principal. The Three assistants are kind of broke up. One takes care of freshman discipline and most freshman issues. So it's kind of that go-to for anybody that's in the freshman class. One takes care of sophomores and juniors, and one is really covering the seniors and everything that happens there. Um, And I'm kind of the go-between on everything. Then above me, we've got our central office staff, which has our superintendent, uh, assistant superintendent, directors of programs, and they're kind of off-campus. They're they're looking over the whole district, so – Then your school board, ours isn't elected. Most school boards in the state of Indiana are elected. There are still a few appointed school boards. Brownstown actually has one of the uh, last appointed school boards, but most are elected running through um, an open election. Those school boards are really there to set policy, um, to overview the finances, and to um, evaluate the superintendent. And it's really what their role is. Now, depending on the school district, some school boards do a lot more than that on the day to day. They're a lot more um, involved, hands on, you know, trying to control things within the district. So, but to, to kind of go back to your first question about, you know, do I think that there are administrators or people that are out of touch? 100%. And I think it's almost impossible if you're staying in your office to not be because things change so fast today and that's why um, I was challenged by a teacher a couple years ago to start going out and shadowing our students and I do it once a semester at least and literally spend the whole day with them. I just did it right before Thanksgiving and this student was um, actually an education profession student meaning she was student or exploratory teaching so I went and spent a half day at the elementary school with her and taught fourth grade again and then went to um biblical literature class and then ap studio art and had to make some art project that I'm awful at art. So even in those situations and some I know there's some of my teachers that think it's just silly and it's like I'm having a fun day. Me being there because I do I do the homework, I take the test, whatever they have that day, I I complete whatever they do.
1: It's like undercover boss. It
0: is. Yeah. But sitting there in that ap art class I could feel the pressure sometimes that those kids would feel because I didn't want to look like the dumb one. I didn't want to look like the one that couldn't do anything. All these kids are extremely talented artists and I got to try and make this cardboard look like something. And I really have no clue what we're doing. So, you know, you get those feels. you start to understand the, the hustle and how crazy some of the day is for kids. And, you know, the young lady I was with, we went and got lunch and took it back to the art room, but she had to finish a project to get it turned in. So, seeing those inner workings that if I wasn't with her I might have passed her in the hallway and said hi but I wouldn't have realized that she was heading down to finish an art project during her lunch because she worked the night before and didn't have a chance to get it done so I think any of those connections that you can make seeing my teachers in a more natural setting um, and being involved you have to to be in touch it's the only way to really know what's going on in your building.
1: Do you and do you do you think with because a lot of a lot of people where does Indiana rank when it comes to standardized testing? And do you know like where we rank as a state? And, I don't. I could look it up. I, I'm not sure exactly. Because what's the big debate on the standardized testing and and why people are pro pro for it and and some are against it?
0: Well, you know the whole idea of standardized testing, and even it's it's kind of funny. The guy that came up with standardized testing um, has now been interviewed and on record that this is not what his intended creation was for. And when standardized testing and even the I-STEP started in the 90s, the idea behind it was to show growth. Um, it was never to be used for a school accountability or, or teacher evaluation process. It was to be able to look at an individual student and say, okay, BJ came in and he was, we knew from his third grade test he was behind in these skills but by the end of fourth grade look he has surpassed those skills so we could see where we were weak and we could use it to get better or to help you That is then spawned into this idea that it's teacher accountability and this is where jim and i would have a a difference of opinion because jim would say you know well being a small business owner i have to make things happen i have to do things and and I agree with that. And but the thing that I've always argued is there's a human element here. You know, and, and Jim is in, um, you know, runs the awning guy there in Seymour. And if Jim gets awning in that's all ripped to shreds from the the supplier, he's not gonna go hang that up. He's not gonna figure out a way to duct tape it and hang it up. He's gonna call the supplier and say, What you sent me is junk, send me something else. My point is we can't do that with kids. We can't walk in and say, "BJ, man, you just—you really don't cut it." We're going to send you back to your mom, and we're hoping Craig might be a little bit better. <laughs> you know, you—you can't—you can't do that stuff. You, we—we we have to take the kids we're given, and you know, and and there's a great quote from Albert Einstein: "If you judge every animal by their ability to climb a tree, you know, you you're, you're going to hold a lot of things back, and." Mm-hmm. So that's part of it with the standardized testing, but the millions and millions of dollars that have been thrown into it and the companies that have become so wealthy because you know, it's all a big monopoly in the sense that one group writes well, the, a group will get the contract to write the i-step. So let's say it's Pearson. Pearson gets that. Well, then Pearson also promotes they've got the products to uh intervene for kids and give remediation so kids will pass the test. Well, now every school buys that product. Well, we also have the textbooks that we'll sell you from Pearson that has all the information tied in to help you with the test. So now we're locked into Pearson across the board. Well, we're still not doing well on the test because what Pearson wants to do is keep changing the test enough that we got to buy that remediation software again so that we're constantly caught in that that maze of... I
1: wonder if Pearson gives money to any political campaigns <laughs> yes Um uh, and there is a F- I, follow the money uh, and
0: i don't know if if jim gets money there but i do know when we talk about the charter school and um voucher question is jim is jim does receive campaign contributions from one of the largest charter companies uh, in Indiana.
1: What What is the difference between charter and then?
0: So a charter is a basically non-religious, it's still a public school, so I can't say private school, but they play by different rules. So like I could start a charter school here in Greenwood, and I could have Greenwood Chartered High School. The different rules are I'm not required to take any students, so right off the bat, I can say, we don't have special ed programs, we only take you know this, this level. And what it allows me to do is before, I would have had to charge a tuition to run that school, just like most private schools. But now with vouchers, you can send your kids to me, instead of the, the, your local community school receiving that money, I get that money and pull the vouchers over. So I can actually fund my school, but I can play by different rules and with testing, with accountability, with what kids I keep in my building. Whereas a public high school, it doesn't matter how you come to me, you know, good, bad, or ugly, you're my student once you come to enroll. And and I've, I, I've got to take you and I've got to do the best I can with you. The other thing with what Jim wants to push and all of this stuff, I, I still think is part of the master plan of what Jim would like to see happen. Jim is, is really strong in the privatization of education, um, which a lot of Indiana's public things have gone that way. And Jim would tell you the reason why is that the government can't run anything efficiently, which I always love when someone who's in government tells me they can't do anything efficiently, so we just need to privatize everything. Well, then why are you there? You know, if, if if you if you can't make it better, then we need to get somebody in office that can help. So what he has proposed, and he said so on my own show, he would like to see, so like I said, it's about average $6,800 per pupil that schools receive for students. But instead of sending that money to schools, we would directly send that money to parents. So for you, you got two boys in high school, you would be getting um, $13,600 in a check for your students' education. Then it's on you to choose where those students go to school, and then it becomes a supply and demand. As a school, I would have to figure out my pricing to charge you to come in, but, and that's all well and good. I understand what he's trying to do because in, in private business, don't get me wrong, what you do, you know, if you can drive down your costs and increase your demand, you're going to make money. The problem I see is you, knowing you as well as I do, knowing how much you care about your kids, you're going to look at that thirteen thousand six hundred and say, "Okay, how do I take this and give my kids the best opportunities I can?" Again, going back to the town I'm in, high poverty. I have a lot of parents that that thirteen thousand dollars isn't going to go anywhere towards their kids' education. I mean, we see that every January and February, and tax time comes around. You know. They're gonna look at that as, hey, I'm not worried about my kids' education. I just, I'll homeschool them and keep the thirteen grand for myself. Well, as soon as that starts happening, we're talking about a whole population now that has no chance mm-hmm. um, to overcome their home situations.
1: Yeah, and and it, and it's weird is because like in my, in where I grew up at Seymour, there was Saint Ambrose, there was a manual. Um, Obviously, the other Christian. There's other like Christian schools, and then there's a there's a Lutheran high school now, and so I always thought I was going to go more towards private like that more than like a charter school, because we've seen a lot of charter schools that have started. I think there was one I can't remember they got they got in a lot of trouble with because there was supposed to be this college type prep place. I was ran by the couple and then like the kids didn't like they had them take tests once they pulled them out of there and like they had no idea what they were doing. They they were not taught anything. So, and then I get it because like, Hey, you know, if we have a charter school and we get the best math teacher in the, in, in the country and like we could pay him X amount of dollars. I, I see the point in it. It's, you're running it just like an NFL franchise, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get the best kids, get the best teachers and be like, You know and 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 so it's the opposite of private school but it's hoping that those parents who get the money they that they they make
0: a good decision
1: well (laughs) yes or the let me play a little conspiracy theory here or they those one parents like you said they get 13 thousand dollars or if they have three kids we don't have to deal with their kids at all we don't deal with their kids well they're not going anywhere anyway so what's the point
0: yeah yeah and that that's a great point as well You know, when you look at what that could potentially do when you talk about high poverty areas, your inner cities, you know, you talk about what IPS, you know, goes through and and you look at the money that it takes to run IPS. And I've said this forever, and I'm not a proponent of this, but this is just the facts. You could give every student in the state of Indiana a brand new laptop every year. You could provide free internet to every student in the state of Indiana and do online coursework and save the state tremendous amounts of money if you're not using physical structures like buildings, cafeterias, busing, all those kinds of things. But we also already have a generation that is struggling with social issues are struggling with mental health who some live in areas where the only two meals a day they may get is breakfast and lunch at school, that the only place that's warm is to come to school. I mean, if we go to that to where you're never walking in a building... I mean, you've said yourself, and I've listened to your podcast, and your your uh, one about your pops and grief was just unbelievable. Thank you. Um, just uh, just so good. What pops meant to you and in your interactions with him when he was coaching you and, and bringing you along, if you're not involved in that kind of stuff, if you're not getting around those type of people at school and in those social situations, if you're just sitting at home on a computer, who knows what it would have led to for you.
1: Yeah, one of my closest friends, Cav, he was home school. He's one of the smartest guys I know. Smart. But his social skills were just hilarious. I'm like, and, you know, it's almost like that M. Night Shyamalan movie about, like, you know... Yeah, they, they, they were all brought up in the middle of what was the Pennsylvania in the yeah. woods. So yeah. What was that movie called? Uh, the, I don't even know. I can't even think about it. Yeah, I uh, know exactly what you're talking about, though. But it, and, and that's where the problem is because we're in a world now, where it's like, well, which one's better, which one's worse, you know? And, and if you're going to work in the corporate world, you have to have some kind of social skills. But we're getting to the point now where we don't have to have social skills, and that's the problem. But one of the other things I, I was thinking about was we have people who we want to, who want to teach, who want to do good things. And, and for the longest time is, is we lost a lot of good teachers like private school, but like Seymour is a great school to go to. Like, I mean, there's not problems there. I mean, they're, they're the normal problems that you're going to have, but if you're not, but you, if you, if you, we need to have some talks with students like, well, what do you want to do? And like, that's why I like their Seymour. one of my cousins was in a welding class mm-hmm. and, and dude, he makes great money. Absolutely. He wears a Toyota. He makes great money and there's nothing wrong with that. And because we're losing people that can do um, trade, trade skills, right? We have to be realistic with students. But when Colin was in eighth grade last year, he's a freshman this year. He was carrying like a 1.4 just to not like anybody in that building. Now, I don't know why they blamed it on who his friends were. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, did you guys know that his grandpa passed away? Did you know? Did you know? No. And they were like, well, he has HEAD. And I was like, he's a normal kid. Guess what? Freshman year, he's carrying a 3.2. Same kid. Different setting. And then I think at times when Greenwood's a great school, that was a, I don't know, 20 billion dollar building they built mm-hmm. whatever it was <laughs> but they there was a kid his friend that we knew he would all all f's they passed him just he like here you go and you know that's a tough thing and we face
0: that even with some of our kids that once they get to high school and we start talking about credits and you have to make all you have to do all this to graduate they're not used to it because mm-hmm. they have just been passed and we've had kids look right at us and say So what happens if I don't pass any of my classes my freshman year? Do I become a sophomore? Well, yeah, kind of, but no, because you're just always going to be here in purgatory until you actually get some credits and get out of here. So it is a huge change for a lot of kids and, and what they're used to because that idea of retention Um, with a system of accountability and standardized testing well i don't want them back i don't want them to stay here because they're already hurting my test scores so let's get them moved on so it just compounds that issue of if they're falling behind they just continue to fall
1: behind even farther well that was the point i was going to make i lost my train of thought so we want to run schools our businesses even though they're public schools because you know you get your money you break it down you Mm -hmm. pay your bills right but but we can't and, and we want to privatize it what happens when you privatize things then then that's where the um i don't want to say then some of the emotions go out of it then all of a sudden is we're a cog in the wheel hey well, we're, we're over by five students um so what we're gonna to have to do is in order to go here we're gonna to have to raise it next year and then do this or do that or do this. And next thing you know Or it, we're gonna cut our five students to do the worst yep. and make our lives easier. Yeah. And because you can do whatever you want, and be like, hey, it's a private business. And I get the whole government thing and I get it and, <laughs> and I get it. But what I'm saying is we've privatized healthcare how and they just do whatever they want.
0: Well, that would be my argument back too, yeah. and I agree with hundred percent. Jim says, Well, anything government run is inefficient. Agreed. But sometimes private companies are way too efficient in the sense that they're making money no matter what. I mean, and that's their concern is not us as the consumer. If they can cut a cost, if they can throw an additive in our food, if they can do anything to make a better living for them, make more money for them, they're going to do it.
1: And it's money at the top. (laughs) Absolutely. It's not going to trickle down to the teachers. It's going to stay at the top. Yeah, I agree
0: 100%. You talk about privatization. That would be my thing, too. You know, Jim's big argument is that administrator salaries are way too inflated in the state of Indiana. And But if you privatize it and I'm running the whole deal.
1: Hot bonuses and this. <laughs> hey, you know, we hit this, so here's an extra this. And not to mention, you know, they have a basketball team. It could be sponsored by Applebee's or whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. And right now, you know, that's the whole thing. My salary, my salary is public
0: knowledge. Um, you can you can search my my salary has to be posted on our school website. Um, you can even go to the Indiana Transparency and see what I've made the last several years,
1: uh, exactly, and what my salary was from the state. See, that's a little weird to me, even though I understand employee and things like that. To me, that's that was always weird. It, it is,
0: and uh, well, here's something I didn't know, and we were talking about Mr. Lucas, and and I had no clue what a state representative made per year. And I think it's kind of funny that he talks all this about teachers and the average pay is $54,000 a year, but they don't work three months out of the year and they get summers off and blah, blah, blah. He made $64,000 as a state representative last year. I'm pretty certain they don't work five, six days a week at the state house. They have their session and then they go back home.
1: Maybe he was paid by per Facebook post.
0: <laughs> well, if that's the case, he got he got screwed because he should have made a lot more per Facebook post. But but again, and I'm th- that's fine if that's what our state representatives make. That's not a problem. Um, but you know, my salary is public knowledge. But as soon as you privatize it, and you can go to my school board meeting and argue to my school board that I make too much, whatever you want to do before they vote. If it's private, I'm not putting my salary out there. I'll play every game just like every CEO does to no. to make sure you protect yourself.
1: And then you're going to run into the and then and then you're going to you're going to run into that. Then you're going to have a board of directors and the board <laughs> and then you're going to have this and then all of a sudden we're going to run into special interests. and then we're going to run into the politicians who who we want to make sure we get in there and get them like it's it's never going to go away. It's not going to change anything. No. Because it's once again it's not about the students. It's not about the teachers. It's it's about how can we make money? And we're really going to make money off of kids and, 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 and on the backs of kids and teachers. And then if we don't like the way it's going, then if it's privatized, like I said, we could just be like, these five kids are awful. <laughs> let's, uh, let's just say we can only have four hundred five students and now 410. And then, you know, like I said, they don't have to have special needs there. They, you know, they don't have to have a lot of those things there. Mm-hmm.
0: And let's just think about that fact, you know, when you look at your cities, that's a little bit different But you may have three or four charter schools within driving distance of public education ends. If public education ends in Jennings County and I start Jennings County Chartered High School or whatever, and I tell you, your kids can't go here. Well, what if Columbus tells you no? What if Seymour tells you no? Where are you driving your kids to? Well, then, I mean, I'm sure Jim's answer would be, well, they need to look at online options. What if
1: online's not what's the best for your kid? Well, what, what if their parents don't believe in Internet? You don't, I mean, ha- you don't have to have Internet. I mean, so – You're going to pass law that so says you have to have Internet now?
0: Wh- where do you go to get that? that that's, that's what, you know, and I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but that's really what our country was founded on is the idea that w- we're going to provide a free public education um, up through your high school year – and I think every kid deserves that right to have a free public education, you know, wherever they're at. And I think it's vital to
1: us. We're more up in arms about guns than we are education. Absolutely. Like we'll quote the Second Amendment. We'll quote our founding fathers. We'll quote this. But it's like, what about this? Like, well, no, no, they make too much money. Hmm. They make too much money like like how do we know, like the the average cost of uh, inflation a year or, or cost of living goes up it was like five or five to seven percent and i never understood this is people's salaries stay the same but they stay the same but everything else starts to cost more absolutely and and then they're like well you know you got summers off well once you go ahead and find another job like my job says this is your only job you do not have another job Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of places do that. Mm-hmm. But there it's like, well, you know, find another job. Paint <laughs> Go work ha- more. Yeah, paint houses, whatever you need to do. Because, I mean, I i some friends that are teachers, but, you know, it, it, I just don't think we set them up for success.
0: No, and, and you know, you want to talk, you know, conspiracy theory a little bit. Um, I read a great book in college called The Meaning of Machismo, talking about kind of masculinity. But it talked about, revolutions in there and one of the things that it was about cities in mexico and villages in mexico and how these drug lords run them or these corrupt politicians run them and and why is there not this push to overthrow them and you know the best way to keep revolutions down is the idea of keeping everything at a you know paycheck to paycheck level to where i'm not starving i'm just making it because if you look at the history of, of revolutions, when you're starving, you can look at the French Revolution. They were starving so much. What's it matter? Okay, if I climb this and I get shot on the way, I'm going to starve in the next week anyway. So I, I've got nothing to lose. So if you get to that point that you're so poor, you've got nothing to lose, you've got that chance to enact a, a revolution. Or if like the American Revolution, you start getting too much and our founding fathers we're upset about taxes because they're running the black market and they're realizing how much money they can make. Now they're upset with that. The revolution happens there. But if I'm stuck at paycheck to paycheck, which is where the majority of our American society is today, it's like eight, almost
1: it's up to eighty or eighty five percent.
0: All I'm worried about is how do I get through next week? Yep. How do I get through next week? So if somebody comes in and says, you know, hey BJ, let's think about this. Let's let's talk about overthrowing the government dude, I'm just trying to get through Christmas, man. I just got to get through the first year. We don't have the time or, you know, the ability to step out and go do those things. So when you talk about some of that with healthcare going up and, you know, inflation, there's no doubt that there there are people in control that are making sure that we stay right where we need to be as a, as a country to not incite, you know, any kind of overarching change.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I th- and I think um, media has a lot to do with it. Um, we'll put more emphasis on, and, and everybody's like, well, it's because of the Internet. And this has been going on before the Internet. I've said it a million times. is When TV first started, it showed you what your family should look like. It even showed you what African Americans should be like. Um, and, and it showed you. showed you
0: morals and values that they expected. Yeah. I mean, go back to even the I Love Lucy show. Yeah. Lucy and Ricky were never shown even sitting on the same bed together. They had twin beds in their bedroom together yep. um you know in their master bedroom and would not even sit on the same bed together. That's controlling us i mean that's yeah. that is building this idea of what is right and what is wrong
1: and then and I think it, like we we have to be critical thinkers and I, and I think we've lost that we we let we we let I try to read ten articles a day I try that way they vary. Right. So they're not the same, same, and and try to do critical thinking. And a lot of that, a lot of that's lost because of instant gratification. Like you'll read some and it's like no, that's right, that's the way it should be. And Teachers don't deserve raise or they don't do deserve this, but we don't actually go through and look at the whole process because through those comments on the Facebook post, it was just like X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z, but it didn't say well if we did this, this will be what happened. Well, if you look at this, this is this is where this comes from. That's why we're saying no, we don't do that. We just want to strike. Why not? We just want to strike and say no, 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 no more, no more wasted government spending. I'm like. Dude, we've been fighting a war for 20 years.
0: You know, and I was, I was in a class, an econ class, doing an observation the other day, and I pulled up some of the most ridiculous uh, government spending. And one of them was like a, the CIA spent 300 and some odd thousand dollars on mugs, coffee mugs, that were some special titanium that could also be plugged in, in an airplane to heat the liquids in flight. And we spent $330,000 on these. And so, yeah, same thing. And, and maybe they needed them. I don't know. I've not investigated any more than that. Look,
1: look at Halberton. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Because they were our defense contractor, and that's who we bought things from. Dick Cheney sat on the board of directors, who eventually became the vice president. So, and we were paying, like, I don't know, for an aspirin was like 19 times the amount mm-hmm. we should pay for an aspirin. And we paid it. And it was okay. But yet we can't give a raise to people who are taking care of our youth. No, I agree 100. percent I mean, it is.
0: Um, it's. It's. We have to go back to it. I know how much you've talked about this because you and I are right there together on it. You know, talking about outrage culture and where the world has gone to. Just because I disagree with your viewpoint doesn't mean I hate you. Doesn't mean I'm. I'm anti anything. But let's start having conversations again. Um, you know, let's let's talk about just like you just said okay let's talk about teacher pay what's going to happen what's the negative what's the drawback pros and cons how can we make it work and let's come to an idea because
1: i don't know right so i can't like i have never said anything about teacher pay i've never said anything about it's the is it the red movement right yep red for red red yeah and i i don't know because i'm not educated enough on it i've read it but it's it's been pro and then it's been con instead of like being down the middle well what if we went to charter schools what if we you know what's the difference here and you know if you're privatized i, I don't know the difference of it because people won't let you talk um i saw someone made a comment like well critical thinking's dead in schools like i didn't start thinking critically until i left school and i'm like no one at 14 15 16 was critical thinking as a capacity to yeah, do it yeah we were thinking about like halftime we didn't want to be there right and you know think
0: about what's for lunch yeah think about which chick we were going to try and sit by i mean
1: yeah the other thing is we've also made students we've all we want them to be militant like and and that's what colin struggled with was right and he they like he has head and i'm like no he could sit down and break down madden for me 100 percent. he could break down this route for me right there he could break down this so he can sit there for a couple hours and i was like he's just not interested in what you're saying and that's something he has to work on i'm not shoving a pill down his throat they wanted us to, that was the school recommendation and i was like no you know and I've, i said he is a typical boy who's going through puberty and he is easily distracted because he is a boy and I'm not saying he didn't act up in class he didn't get in trouble he was just not didn't care about homework any of that and but through work through my, my me and my wife and then even AP talking to him we were able to work with him and, and realize he has to have an activity through the year like whether it's whether it's a sport or whether it's something else because where those gr- I hate to say it where those grades depend on him playing hmm like that he has to have a motivator like some people have to have motivation to go to work Right. I have motivated because I have family. Same with you. I, I got to go to work, take care of my family. But like people have to, people just can't say, well, you need to go to school. And you're like, why? No, if I hit the powerball yeah. this week, I'm not going to work anymore. I will God. for five days. <laughs> uh.
0: just, that's how long it's going to take to tell everybody off?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to go through and just. <laughs> Start throwing money down. Um, no, and, and and that's the whole point is is it's not easy being a teacher. It's the same way I have to manage and train people, it's not it, easy. Everybody's different. Everybody's personality is different. Everybody learns different, and it does get very frustrating. Um, but I don't think we should. I, I think we have too many people that are trying to make decisions that are not in the industry.
0: And you know, and this is what I would say too uh, about the whole red for Ed movement is. First and foremost, the reason why it becomes the way it does is we're all we are state employees, we are public employees. So the only way for us to get our voices heard, to ask for raises, to do those kind of things is through the state legislature. So it's a little bit different. You know, it's not something where we can just and I know Jim says local districts control pay. They do, but we can only control pay based on what the funds are we're given to we're given from the state. But what I mean by that is, you know, you don't see you, you're never going to see thousands of Coca Cola employees on the state house lawn arguing for more pay. They're going to do that with Coca Cola. You know, we just saw General Motors go on strike and and fight for a better contract we have to go through the state legislator as educators because we're public employees and you know, and and the rules are a little bit different there. But what I want to say is I think what you do, I think you've got a tough job. I think, I think everybody has their things. I, I couldn't do what you do. There's lots of jobs that I couldn't do and everybody's got their thing about their job. They don't like or sucks or is awful. But that doesn't mean I I disrespect your job anymore, or, or don't think you deserve anymore. This is just a time when teachers are standing up and
1: saying, "Let's look at this. Let's let's at least have a conversation." There is, you guys do have teacher unions, right? Absolutely. Um, I've never been a big union fan. Um, and it's because of, uh, (laughs) certain things. Um, one reason is, is, is I think some people have abused it, not teachers, but other places have abused it. And the other thing is if, if I'm working my butt off and producing and this other guy isn't, he should not get what I get.
0: I struggle with that as well. That's Um, what I
1: struggle with. And then, but the other thing is I see in this aspect though, is why you have it for teachers and, and is, but how big of a part does the teacher union play in, in all of this?
0: It's really, it's, it's big, I, and I, I, there'll be some people that won't like my answer on this. I struggle with the teachers' union because I think there are some people in, and I'm not talking about my local union, I'm talking about state and federal level, that are the same as what we've, we've taught, we've, we've been critical of Jim Lucas about the last hour. They're the, just the flip side. So, Jim Lucas, there's, we should never look at charter schools. We should never allow this. We should never do this. There's some ideas there I don't have a problem with. I I think parents, and I've told Jim this, I think parents do need to have choice. I have no problem if you think what's best for Colin, if there's a a charter school down the road that is all hands-on and allows movement, and that's a better fit for him because that's what he needs... I do think you should be able to go there, 100%. I would love to be able to offer that. But I also don't think that we need to just move that whole direction. So again, it's somewhere in the middle. So some of the union leadership, I struggle with the idea that we won't even have the conversation or talk about that. We have to, because the only way we improve is having those tough conversations to come to the middle.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that that's where my point was because, like I said, if a school offers a certain thing for certain students, let's say a charter school, it, it sets you up for those four years of you still learn, but it sets you up for you are not going to college. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say, for example, they're partnered with Toyo, the Cummins, and Cummins helped, I mean, helped fund the school, and they're like, hey, after you leave here, you're going to have a job as soon as you get out. And think about it, I mean, because I mean, people go to college for four years and they can't find a job afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, and, and if you brought up that idea, be like, well, I know that's stupid, be like, how's it stupid?
0: Well, and you know, it's even to the point, I, I did a great interview today with a, a young lady that I had in class my first year at Jennings County as a teacher, and and the whole point, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the reaction to the episode because she didn't go the traditional route. She ended up dropping out. Um, ended up getting her ged bounced around actually training racehorses for a while and now has come back and and she's doing very very well for herself and she's found something she's very passionate about and honestly i I mean and some people will look i'm sure look down on this but she works at walmart distribution she's got herself in college for supply chain logistics like she really wants to move up in management at walmart distribution there in seymour and we went through the whole thing and and Knowing her as well as I do, she would not have been successful even if we'd have forced her to stay at Jennings County High School. At some point, her mental health would have suffered. It didn't fit her. It's a lot like what you said about Colin. She needed to move. She needed to be hands-on. She couldn't sit in a a desk and learn. Now, is her route right for everybody? No. No. But it was right for her. And that's the whole point, you know, and I I understand where Jim's coming from to offer choice and offer parents that choice. I just think we have to have structure with it because you know this isn't a knock on all parents. We have some unbelievably great parents. We've got some unbelievably bad parents too. And I don't want a kid to not have opportunities because their parents are unbelievably bad.
1: Yeah and and that's one thing about it is we keep talking about this generation's awful that generation. I mean they've talked about the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s whatever. But we got to realize this we're the one raising them absolutely you can blame social media you can blame whatever you want we've always had distractions america was violent before tv oh absolutely probably even more violent um i grew up playing video games i grew up doing this it doesn't matter it all comes down to the parenting and having conversations with your kids
0: absolutely and that's it you know and i agree with you 100 percent i i we've talked about before how much it frustrates me the the perception we give of this generation but you know we just had a a winter formal dance on friday night and it was totally student created we'd never done one um had a group of students come to me and say can we please do it we want to do it for charity um and see how much money we can raise and and the way i operate and my kids that school know it I'll say yes, but it's yes, and I'm not doing it. Like, if you want to bring me the idea, I will support you, I'll help you, but you're going to do everything. So, you guys had your foot loose? And basically, yes. (laughs) And uh, uh, they ended up selling 429 tickets. Wow. Made $4,200. And all of that money is going to go to buy Christmas meals for families of students in our building who can't afford it. Christmas gifts for students who won't have anything on Christmas morning um, and then we'll go into our student help fund for students with uh, maybe have need eyeglasses, need dentistry work, things that they can't get covered with their own insurance. We'll use that throughout the years to help them. So here's the student idea of this awful generation that doesn't want to do anything, won't you know doesn't have any leadership skills. They raised $4,200 in about three weeks and had a great time. We had zero issues the whole night um, at the dance and had an absolutely great time. And now we've got $4,200 to go help kids and just amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you, we keep pushing them. I mean, every generation pushes people down, and, and that's fine. But, I mean, there's always going to be a group of people that are going to be able to raise and, and do the right thing. And, and But I think right now is we're not doing – what's best for them because we've turned this into a political thing. <laughs> we've turned this. It, it, people have said these teachers are selfish. Um, if they didn't like it, maybe they shouldn't be teachers. And these are all coming from people that are not in the industry. You know, and it's, I relate it to sports. It's the same person who gets mad at a player who signed somewhere else. It's his life. It's yeah. what he does. We, we don't play professional sports. We like it. We, you know, teachers, we, we, you know, and that's one thing we do is we're having people. We still have too many people make decisions that are not in that. And then, and, you know, and, and Jim wants to make, I like, one thing I like about Jim is even if you don't like his ideas, he does, he does bring things up, but we have to be able to have conversations and listen to the right people and don't get. And, and stop riling people up on social media to say things that are very disrespectful about other people that have n- nothing to do with it. Calling teachers selfish, calling them if they don't like it, get out. Your typical small town mentality responses. Yeah,
0: and I and I agree with that too. And I, and I will I'll give Jim credit because I agree with you. He will go into areas. That other politicians are afraid of. Um, sometimes way too far, in my opinion, but he will at least address issues others won't. I will also give him credit that he, he will meet with me, and him and I have sat down, had a lot of long discussions over dinner and, and a few beers, and, and had and talked about issues. Now, he doesn't listen well. Um, he is a he is a natural politician in the sense that he's got his points and counterpoints and it's not a dialogue. He will he will hear what I say and then give me his canned answer to come back. And that's the one thing I'd be critical of him on. I, I really wish he'd take that next step and be able to sit down and have and I'm not saying agree with me, just have the conversation of okay, this is my viewpoint, this is yours now. How do we find the common ground in between so that it works? And with, with Jim, unfortunately, his ideas are the best ideas and it's we just all need to figure out to get on his, his board and everything will be okay.
1: Yeah. Just yeah, one leader to rule all. Um, before we wrap up here, um, I know we didn't get any other thing, but that's fine. No, that's good. We're where are we at right now with the raises what what what's the next steps what has to happen and then how soon will that be well here's first of all i I will
0: go back to you kind of ask about the the unions um the only issue that i had with the red for red rally that happened here at the state house is it's not a budget year um and i get that it's it's an issue right now but really nothing's going to happen because it's not a budget year. They're not setting the budget to where they can actually increase school funding. Um, and, and so, yes, it was a show of solidarity. It showed, um, you know, the teachers are upset about it. I think part of it was the idea that we would scare some uh, representatives into being on the teacher side. Uh, So I don't think much is going to happen until next year when
1: it's another budget year. And it was just – the elections were just for city council and mayors. It wasn't actually for – Right. So – and then because if you do it during election year and then budget year and then – so and it was almost like preemptive. Like, hey, I'll let you know. Like, you're up for election next year. And I'm not saying that – well, that might be one of the reasons to let them know. Like, hey, this is – you know,
0: and I think that was that was part of the, the idea behind it. And and you know, and the tough thing right now, and you know, whether you like him or not, um, Jim's had a lot of challengers lately. I mean, he has had both on in the Republican pi- primary and on the Democratic side. And, um, it, right now, his district and in, in the Seymour area, they still want Jim Lucas representing them. And, and no matter how people feel about Jim or, or their struggles with Jim, um, that's the situation right now and and I will I will be the first to admit I've voted for Jim in the past because even though we disagree on education, there are other areas where him and I see eye to eye on some things. And and it's tough, you know, especially when you're voting those local politics. You've got to try you, – you're never going to have a candidate that lines up with everything that you want to do so perfectly.
1: So, What districts does he do? I know he have Seymour. What else? He
0: has Seymour, um, not all the way, most of Jackson County, um, Brownstown, Seymour. He comes down. He doesn't get into Crothersville. is where the um, – the Southern district there with Terry goodness there, he goes over into Jennings County. So he's basically the Western part of Jennings County. And I think maybe even eclipses a little bit of Bartholomew. So he's kind of got that whole region right
1: there. I didn't know. And cause I, I, didn't look, I knew I looked it up, but I didn't actually know the map on it. So it, so it'd be pretty interesting is cause it, as we've seen, it, even in our politics, if, people who usually don't get out and vote if, if if they do then they can get them out a lot of more people are coming out to vote so
0: yeah and i think it's gonna you know it's it's gonna be one of those elections where you know coming up obviously in 2020 we've got a, a huge election at the presidential level uh i think a lot of people will be out to vote the biggest thing that i would say is you know no matter what your national politics are don't pull a straight ticket vote. You know educate yourself about what your local politicians are your state reps you know your US Congress representatives and vote for the people who have your interests in heart you know I, I and that's I, I don't care if you're a Democrat Republican I don't care what you are do not pull a straight ticket because no. there is no way you are actually voting for someone that you support in each of those races
1: no and then also see who funds their campaign because that's uh, mm. also public knowledge because it'd be interesting to see who actually helped because a lot of times A lot of people get elected because they have more money to be able to be seen more Mm -hmm. and if you go through and see where the money comes from sometimes it's very interesting um i always look at the site i saw who was giving money to who and and why because they want that person there to to for their own special interest that's why they're called special interest and and um that's why they're able to raise a lot of money and everything like that because if you vote straight ticket then you're not paying attention you know i voted for mitch daniels when he was governor he was republican um and then other people i vote for who i see myself in in, and kind of what i stand for i don't you can't vote street ticket you just can't do that no i mean that's just then that's just being closed-minded if you know and that's the worst thing about it's like well you're they're liberals and they're conservative they're this they're that we have way too many labels
0: and most of your local politicians aren't either. You know, I mean, really, they're independent in the center. You know, when you're talking about your city council, your mayors, your you know, your county council, they're not making decisions based on Republican and Democratic principles. Um, that's just a title they have to have to run in the race. So, you know, it, it's really important that you educate yourself on those and make sure that you know you're you're making the right choices.
1: Yeah, you mean do some critical thinking
0: what's well, dead it's
1: dead it's dead well i'm glad um i'm glad you, you came up because this was a fun one because like i said i didn't know a whole lot about it that's why i never talked about it because i didn't know a whole lot about it
0: well and i appreciate you having me back up again brother and i and i want to say before i get off here i what you have been doing with these has been really really good stuff and i know that um I probably bug you because usually Mondays or Tuesdays, I text you to let you know how much (laughs) I, I enjoyed them. But, uh, you know, the last handful of shows you have done have just been really, really good stuff. So keep it up, man. It's, it's awesome.
1: And it's a nice, and I appreciate it. It's a nice change of pace. Um, the addiction episode took way off. Um, the relationship one with Jess took off the addiction with Brooke, uh, the grief one, that was difficult one because the family listened to it. And I got some text messages from that one. Um, and i got some messages um from some other people um because you go from smutcast kind of movie review a little bit to that where it's a totally different like this is a totally different person more interview and try to be that and um no i'm, I'm happy with it like i always enjoy just listening to people talk and, and trying to figure out what's going on and um so like, i appreciate that one and um i'm excited uh we have smutcast christmas episode. oh no, i can't wait so i've had a lot of stuff build up so i gotta be honest
0: i i hadn't listened to movie review in a while um i just listened to the christmas uh movie episode (laughs) And I had listened to... <laughs> I
1: got a little angry now. I, I
0: would well, listened to the BJ Robbins <laughs> project so much that when I first turned it on and you were tra- cranked up a little bit again, I was like, whoa, I kind of forgot what you were like when you were on Smugcast. So it took me took me a little bit.
1: Oh, I have a lot. I have a lot buried. And then, like I said, <laughs> is... and. He and AP did a video and it was awesome. And, and I was working on some stuff before he came up here. And it's just going to be line them up because I'm just going to air it out. I can't it's wait. It's festivist for the rest of us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to air out how everybody has let me down. <laughs> I, I mean, just because I, I sat back and I've been quiet and I've just been like. And I talked to AP, and I was like, "Hey, we just need to do the episode." He's like, "Why?" I was like, "I am just I'm pissed about a lot of things." Time to go, and I said, "I'm just going to get it out." And then I said, "We'll see who still likes me afterwards." <laughs> <laughs> Who's still standing? Yeah, because I, <laughs> I tried to bury the old me, because the old me is somebody who will get fired up, and then we'll just don't care what I say, and uh, and I try to keep that like on calm down. So, um, what else you got going on? I know you you, you said you talked to. Uh, thank God, uh, cancer saved her. Divorce. Oh yeah, man,
0: that one was awesome. And here's the here's the crazy connection. Um, when we had them down, I, I told the story. We, Callie and I have uh, really good friends that their five year old last year was diagnosed with mm-hmm. um, cancer, and and we've kind of been going along that journey with them. But so I'm talking about them and their story. Well, I find out the next day, because the husband um, teaches with me. But his wife had posted on our thing. She said, this is the couple that we met the first day we were at Riley. Wow. So totally small world. And and the wife said, we've actually been looking for them to try and kind of reconnect um, and didn't know their names or anything. So crazily enough, you know, through you, them coming down. They actually were able to reconnect through social media and see this. And they were talking about, the husband told me, he's like, you have no idea. They were so calming. They, they, they told, taught us so many things, uh, answered so many questions. Like, yeah, we've really wanted to be able to, like, thank them and talk to them and, and hadn't. So that one was a, it was a great episode. It was. Um,
1: yeah, I li- yeah, I listened to I was actually watching the Facebook Live last Sunday, and I had been sick. And I was listening to it in bed, and I'd fallen asleep. And then I I, re, I went I went to Detroit for three days and I listened to it on the way back and uh, and it was weird cause Denny's like he's like he was like, Yeah, I started a podcast, you know, because you know, you're inspiration for it and I was like, huh? I was like, Don't blame that on me. <laughs> no, the dynamic is funny and then and and he called me and um and he was like, Hey, he had some questions about um uploading what do i do and the breakdowns things like that and i was like and he's like yeah he's like any he help you get it? i was like hey come on down so i had him do my show and then got juice and i was like call this guy call this person <laughs> yeah he, he reached
0: out to me I, I got a message and he's like hey he's like i think we run in similar circles <laughs> want to come down <laughs> and do your podcast so so callie and i are going to try and go up and do theirs uh here at some point after the first of the year and you know that's that's been awesome um you know, and speaking from experience, today I interviewed obviously uh, Rachel Wolf, the young lady that kind of took a different path to where she's at, and interviewed comedian Sandra Edgel. Yeah, um,
1: she's been on juices. I met her.
0: Which Sandra is is really really cool, and I'll be honest, for you would be a great guest on this show because we probably we went we went over an hour just her and I, but then the 40 minutes after that we talked about outrage culture and and honestly i should have recorded it and done a second episode because she is so intelligent so smart and her viewpoints are so interesting she would be a great one to sit down she, with
1: she stayed about an hour about an hour after the show that night when she was here she stayed and talked and then and she talked about that one so um so and it's, it's because we have the uh, oh that's the last thing we'll, we'll talk about here real fast cuz you do have the roast battle coming up. Yeah, I do. I how do. You, how you feeling? Have you been writing a lot? Do you feel you're in your zone yet? I do. I I feel good. I've been writing I've been writing a lot. Um I try
0: I I don't share it with my wife because my wife is just like, "Oh yeah, that's funny." Um so yeah, I've been writing quite a bit. Uh just anytime I come up with something, I usually you know write it in my my phone and my notes, and then kind of refine it later and and figure it out. Um, the the one place I think I got to get stronger is is my counters um, coming back at Juice when he when he hits me. But I think you know as well as I do, Juice leaves a lot of opportunity out there.
1: Um, for some slams, so he's trying and it's gonna be trying to get him to show um, emotion. That's gonna be the tough. He one. always has that dumb smile on his face. That's gonna be
0: the tough one. And and you know this week Friday night we've got Roast War Championship six, which is. Team Juice versus Team Roller. and um, Did you guys get uniforms and stuff for that? Uh, we, we didn't, um, unfortunately. Uh, we, I tried to get with the Yankees uh, to see if I could borrow the pinstripes, and uh, they were unfortunately out. Um, but the good news is the winner, uh, whichever team wins Friday night, they will get to pick the other opponent's outfit for Roastamania versus Juice and me. So if I win – We'll be making a great video at Goodwill, um, picking out the outfit that Juice will wear that night at Crackers. That's so funny
1: that uh, I will be at Crackers. I will not be there this Friday. I'm taping uh, an episode, uh, but I will be at Crackers for that one. So um, I'm excited for for you guys to make it to uh, once you get through that and go to Crackers on in January.
0: You know, and and what I was I was gonna do because we were supposed to have an entourage lead us out, and I was going to. Um, do all of Juice's former co-hosts, but the price for me to buy their tickets in got so high I couldn't afford it. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna have to find my own entourage because it. And and you know, Jonathan got kind of smart with me last time, and I figured he'd be in my corner by the thirtieth anyway because he's about ready to expire. So um, Johnny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but no, it's it's good. It'll be fun. You know, again, yeah, nothing but love for Juice. I love him, but this will be a good one
1: yeah i'm excited for it i'll uh i will be i will be at the one in crackers uh one other things i have coming up smunk christmas and then the normal shows coming up do have a new show about to come up on the network which is tina and do, which is actually mondo
0: i know i heard you say that the yep. other
1: day and i love it uh tina and doe i gotta edit, ep, edit their episode that should be first of the year and then i got contacted by another comedian who i really like um, who wants to have me produce and start their show? So I'm excited for that one. So I'll, I will be pretty busy. Um, but I, I, I'll, this is one that besides podcast movie reviews, fun. It's topical. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just kind of difficult to do at times. Um, but like, this is the one that uh, I'll continue on and doing that one. So well,
0: and the last thing I'll throw out, we do have, we're going to start one in January 2020 and, um, you're going to be a little bit of a part of it. So we call five minutes to launch and it's going to be a daily kind of motivational, um, podcast, five minutes or less, nothing more, just, you know, in and out. But what we're going to try and do is each week we're going to try and feature a different speaker so you know the first week i'm going to record five episodes i told you i wanted you to really come on mm-hmm. and i've reached out to some other people just to record quick five minute episodes so you get a different voice every other you know every week um and are just hearing some you know inspirational things some motivational things before you kick off your day so that'll be coming out in january of 2020 and it's uh, five minutes to launch
1: that is awesome. So I appreciate you guys joining us as always. Uh, like I said, his social media will follow afterwards and we will talk to you kids next week. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, the email is the BJ Robbins project at gmail.com. Facebook is BJ Robbins. Twitter is at the BJ Robbins. Instagram is BJ underscore Robbins and Snapchat is the BJ Robbins. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to one of those platforms so we can make that happen. Thank you.